Rick Stevens, financial advisor with FRS Financial Group, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. For more detailed information regarding any of the topics discussed on today's show, please call 719-500-8700. This is Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Here's your host, Rick Stevens. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. This is your host, Rick Stevens, and folks, remember that this is your show. If you have questions that you would like to have answered, if there's a topic you want to hear a little bit more about on one of those future Money Matters episodes, you can feel free to give me a call at 719-500-8700. You can also shoot me an email, rstevens at frsfinancialgroup.com or simply go to the website, frsfinancialgroup.com. Click that contact tab up in that top right-hand corner. You can send us your question. You can send us that topic you want to hear a little bit more about. We would love to hear from you. Well, folks, this week on Money Matters, we are joined, as always, by my beautiful co-host, Andrew Rogers. Andrew, it's a Wednesday today. It is. And, you know, it's that, you know, one of those midweek things. I know the the Wednesday world, uh, oftentimes you're going, oh, we're almost at the end, but we're also still kind of at the beginning. And, you know, I just got to say... Mm -hmm. Wednesdays are just weird. Yeah, it, it's always weird on a Wednesday because it almost seems like it's longer post-Wednesday than it is getting up to it. Yes, 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 indeed. And and one of those things, uh, you know, that this uh, Wednesday piece kind of works into here, Andrew, is today's show topic. All right, let's hit it. Here we are. We're almost 60 days into the new year. Okay. We, we talked, you know, several weeks ago about what those things are that go on in the markets and, and this, that, and the other as it's leading into that presidential election year. We've got that rolling on. But, Andrew, I think the, the, the best statement at this point that I can find mm-hmm. that really describes these first, you know, ballparkish 60 days in yeah. the year uh, comes from a guy that I don't want to really, you know, yeah. entirely mention by name. Uh, because he may have at one point in time coached a football team up in the uh, north woods of Wisconsin. Um, uh, the, may the or may not a, have a trophy named uh, after him. Yes, but uh, but but I do have to say I always love the clip uh, of Vince Lombardi on on NFL Films, where I don't know exactly what call was made in the game, and I'm sure it was an official that made the call. But but he asked the great question: What in the and I'm going to insert the word world is going on here? And that's kind of the question that I've seen a whole bunch of analysts mm-hmm. asking in these first few, well, not just the first few months uh, or first few weeks of the year, but even going back through through 2023, what in the world is going on economically in our world? And, and you know, the, the crazy thing is oftentimes we've got good predictors out there, Andrew, oftentimes. Now, not always. They're not always perfect. But oftentimes we have 
good predictors. In particular, it's looking at individual sectors of the market. Yeah. Right? There are 11 different sectors that we look at in the S&P 500. And typically speaking, these sectors and which ones are doing well versus which ones aren't are going to tell us where we are in our economic cycle, right? Those those five to seven year periods of the ups, of the downs. And and really they're going to tell us are we are we in that early cycle where we're seeing the upswing? Are we are we more toward that mid-market cycle where, you know, in the economic world, we call that expansion. Are they in the late market cycle where we're starting to see the downswing or or are we in that trough, that contraction part that is truly the recessionary market cycle? Mm-hmm. So we've got all kinds of different pieces going through here that, that we can usually take a look at and get a pretty good idea on where we are. However. However. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, we, we, we throw the, uh, the butt out there. I had a, uh, a friend of mine years ago uh, when you know, was, a, was a pastor, and when he would speak, uh, he, would, he would talk about if he was reading this piece of Scripture and there was a butt in there, he always referred to it as the holy butt. Mm-hmm. So we have a holy however yeah. going on right now. However, we've got some, some interesting pieces as it actually relates to what's going on uh, from market perspective and, and then the economy. And, and we're going to take a look at some of these things kind of in that 30,000-foot that view, right? What are typically your, your, your top and bottom performers at the different cycles? But then we're also going to go, okay, where are we at now? Yeah. Right? Because now kind of matters. Now, now's got a piece to, mm-hmm. to everything we're doing here. If you're in an early cycle, right? Okay. We're, we're in that early cycle. We're starting our upswing. Usually your best performers are financials, real estate, consumer discretionary, information technology, industrials, materials uh, as well. Those are usually your really good early cycle performers. And it kind of makes sense because in the early years, in that start of the upswing in a cycle, people usually have more money available to spend. They're borrowing more money, so there's your consumer discretionary and your financials. They're using that borrowed money to buy things like real estate. On that discretionary side as well, we're seeing demand increase. That's where the industrials and the materials are doing well. So this is this is that early opening up of the economy. It's going to make sense that those would be the best performers. And the worst performers, not saying that these are always necessarily negative, They just aren't performing as well as the best, are your consumer staples. Mm -hmm. They're they're going to be your healthcare, your utilities, the energy world. And part of that is because when things are going well with consumer discretionary spending, we're probably going to be at home less, so we're not using as much for our lights and our gas. Uh, we're, We're not using those nearly as much. If we're also taking trips... We may not be driving ourselves as much, so energy prices are going to mm-hmm. be down a little bit in there as well uh, overall. And, hey, consumer discretionary, that's eating out. Staples, yeah. that's fixing dinner at home. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, early cycle, things are going well. That discretionary spending is out there. We're not buying as many groceries at that point either. So it makes sense as to where that stuff all works in that early cycle. If we look at mid-cycle. Yeah. 
best performers in that mid-cycle, that big expansion going on, and this should not come as a huge surprise, information technology, yeah. so more in the IT world, as well as communication services. Okay. Right? So that's that's everything from cable to phone to Zoom and, and all of those pieces in there as well. Your worst performers actually mid-cycle are the materials because our discretionary spending is not as high, so there's not as much need for those raw materials in the manufacturing process. We get to late cycle. Real mm-hmm. estate actually pops its head back up as a as a good performer. Your staples in that late cycle, when we're starting the downswing, we've stopped going out to eat, we're buying more groceries, and we're eating mm-hmm. more at home. So staples comes in, which also means the energy and the utilities are going to be better performers there. Your, your late cycle bad performer or poor performer, if I'm going to use appropriate English, okay. because, eh, you know, every once in a while, you got to grammar it up right. Yeah. You got you to talk like a normal human being. The the poor performers in that late cycle are usually those discretionary pieces, whether that's things like your your movies, your cruises, airline travel. You're not doing as much of that because you are feeling that crunch in there. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the recessionary yeah. side. Best performers, again, those staples, healthcare, utilities, those are all oftentimes what we would call defensive sectors. Those are your best performers. Your worst performers are real estate and IT and your industrials and actually energy in that recessionary piece because there's that that push to, you know what, we're not going to drive quite as much Mm -hmm. at this point. And and we're going to try to keep some of those prices down. So that's sort of that quick overview, if you will, of what goes on in the sectors in those four phases of an economic cycle. Now, we start to come, Andrew, to the confusing part. Okay. 2023. Yeah. Our top performing sectors, and by the way, these are amazing top performing sectors okay. last year. Information technology as a sector was up 56%. Okay. That, that's pretty good where, yeah. where I come from. Communication services, up 54%. Consumer discretionary spending, as a as a uh, sector, up 40%. Clearly a top three because number four was industrials and it was up 16. Right? So your number four is up almost one-third of what number three was. Yeah. And less than a third of, of number two and number one. In fact, closer to 25% mm-hmm. of, of each of those. So looking at the top performers of IT, communication services, consumer discretionary, if we were to take a look at all of those different cycles and the best performers, we're going to see most of those are the early cycle best performers. Mm -hmm. That's IT. That's discretionary. Those are our materials that are up there. However, there's there's one up there that doesn't generally fit with the early cycle best performers. In fact, it fits mid-cycle in that communication services. Yeah. And if we just looked at the top two, the top two performers were IT and communication. They're actually the two best performers mid-cycle. 
Now, I don't know a lot of folks, Andrew, that would have looked at 2023 and said, clearly, we're in the middle of an expansion cycle in the economy. Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't seem like we're in that expanding part. Yeah, yeah, there's, there, there seem to be a few things going going uh, sideways, if you will, in there. And part of that is the bottom, the bottom performers last year. Utilities was a negative 10% sector energy was a minus almost five it was a minus 4.8 and consumer staples also a negative a negative 2.3 percent and if those are the worst performers that clearly indicates early cycle yeah and 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 andrew i'm gonna i'm gonna beat a dead horse here a little bit if 2023 is early in the cycle what comes before an early cycle the recession yeah that that may or may not have happened yeah in those first two quarters of 2022 yeah just saying and and quite frankly folks if you go back and you you do that uh quick research to see what the uh the best performing sectors in 2022 were well your best performers in 2022 were utilities and energy and healthcare mm-hmm. which are all the best performers in the recessionary part yeah. of the cycle not 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 that andrew i, I go out to <clears throat> beat that dead horse and beat it often well, and again it all depends on what your definition of is is uh yes yes and and you know whether or not there's an election yeah. going on that we don't want to use the the r word during but i digress so if the IT discretionary materials kind of point to that early cycle, but the IT and communication services point mid-cycle, we're kind of starting to see some some questions mm-hmm. in this. And that actually leads to a little bit more muddied picture this year. Yeah. Because just since the beginning of January... Our top performers in terms of sectors are communication services mm-hmm. and IT again. Wait a minute. Would would basically say mid-cycle, right? So so we're going from mid Is this just one big long mid-cycle? Can we have a 2-year mid-cycle? I would I would actually like to see, you know, 4 or 5 in it in, in a mid-cycle cuz that'd be really good expansion. Yeah. It would be some nice expansion in the economy, but as my, my favorite pitch man of all time, mm-hmm. Billy Mays, used to say, but wait, there's more. All right. Because when we look at those sectors, we also see that towards the top of sector performance is also healthcare. And healthcare, Andrew, is not a mid-cycle top performer. No. Last I checked, isn't that one of the recessionary best performers? Uh, yes. Yes, it is one of those recessionary best performers. And in fact, if we look at the sectors overall, and yes, we've had some pullback in the last few days, uh, Friday last week, Tuesday, today in the market on Wednesday as we're recording this, we're also seeing some more market pullback. We we start to go, oh no, oh no, what's going on? Well, we still have eight of the 11 sectors positive on the year. And if we look at the ones that are negative on the year, the negative sectors on the year are real estate, utilities, and materials. Now, if we go back to where things like real estate and materials 
and energy are poor performers, that means we're in that somewhere between recessionary and early cycle. So if we just look at what the what the specific sectors tell us, yeah. when it comes to which part of the economic cycle we're in, do you know what the answer is? Yes. All of the above. We are in eight cycle. Exactly. Exactly. I was I was actually kind of hoping for the uh, the Evan. It depends. I know. On well, there. I think it's just kind of like we're in all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're 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 in a cycle. Yeah. It, we're and, we're cycling right now. Yes. Yeah. And some of it feels like it's a uphill with no hands, but the brakes are locked. Yeah. A little a little bit on there. Because we've got all of those different weird things, right? Financials, IT, those on the upside usually mean early. Healthcare is an early cycle bottom feeder, so it doesn't act like one of those top performers mm-hmm. until we hit the recessionary part of the cycle. So now we're going, okay, where, where are we at there? Or, or if we're looking at the, the bottom sectors, right, the real estate, utilities, materials, well, utilities are on the bottom early, materials are on the bottom mid, real estate on the bottom recessionary. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it, it really is yes. It really is yes. And it's because of all of that quote-unquote yes, Mm -hmm. that we actually get a whole lot of analysts and portfolio managers out there kind of looking at things going, I don't know. Yeah, I was about to say, like, what is causing all of this? Uh, The the short answer is yes. Yeah. That's the short answer. Now, there there are some good uh, answers as we kind of roll through some of these pieces. One of those pieces with that is last year, even though we saw very good years across the board, when you look at the healthcare sector last year, barely positive, 0.3% to the plus side as a sector last year. But that's not what all the numbers last year lined up to show. Mm-hmm. The numbers last year lined up to show healthcare should have been a very good sector. Uh, even even not necessarily dealing with any more of those vaccine mandates and this, that, and the other, but just simply because where we were in the cycle, we thought, that's the mm-hmm. key to that, where we thought we were in in that cycle, last year healthcare should have done well. Yeah, It didn't. Um, I sat a few weeks ago with one of the portfolio managers of one of the, uh, the healthcare funds that I use, we had that as part of the discussion, and his short take on that was actually that because of what didn't get to happen in 20 and 21, based on all the COVID stuff and you know hospitals being allowed to do some things and not others, we start to get this backlog of things going on, not the least of which was we also have a backlog of companies in that healthcare field not being able to deliver the the new beds and the new machines and the new test mm-hmm. this and the test that and those things didn't get produced and delivered so the healthcare is actually catching up to where it should have already been just because we now have more capacity to make these things happen when we didn't have that capacity earlier and there were things that were put on the back burner yeah so because of that the, the healthcare part of our sectors has shifted a little bit. Yeah. And and they've created 
and and I, and I hate to say this. I really hate to say this, Andrew, because I, I almost worry that, you know, TJ will throw something in on this, but it's it's created some blurred lines, Andrew. The lines uh, are not perfectly delineated. No, they're, they're blurred. We've, we've got some issue there. But this is the way I, I actually kind of think about that a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm going to ask you a crazy question here. Okay. When you look at your generations, Andrew, do, okay. you, do you consider yourself a millennial? I don't like the connotation of it, <laughs> uh, but probably, but uh, with the asterisk, very er- early millennial. Yes, yes. So in, in, depending on which textbook you're looking at, there are different textbook. I actually found this the other day, different textbook definitions of the generations. But for the most part, most places will agree, here, your, here are your delineations of the generations. Your baby boomers. Yeah. Born between 1946 and 1964. So about an 18-year period. Okay. Gen X, born between 1965 and 1980. So they've trimmed Gen X down to 15 years. Okay. And then they wonder why we have a smaller generation than the baby boomers. Well, you, you, you took two years from us to begin with, and now you're just mm-hmm, taking a couple more. Millennials. More often than not, born 1981 to 2000, so about a 19-year span. Yeah. And once again, why are millennials a larger generation than Gen X? You gave them four more years. Yeah. If we could have split the difference, we might be close in generation size. Mm-hmm. Um, which also reminds me, I have I have one partner who's a baby boomer. Okay. One partner who's a millennial. And I like to, from time to time, send them the the meme that's got the picture of the Breakfast Club on it you may yeah. have seen that that said uh, you know just remember for all the boomers and millennials that don't like one another there's a generation in between that doesn't like either one of you yeah and I I kind of fall in that Breakfast Club generation mm-hmm. in there as a, as a 1974 model okay I'm kind of firmly right in the middle of that yeah. uh, and then we have Gen Z um, or I don't know, I found like 15 different pieces in there because it used to be gen x gen y gen z and then we changed gen y to millennials but whatever uh, um I'm, I'm okay with that the goofiest one on this so gen z born 2000 to 2012 mm-hmm. so they shortened that to only 12 years yeah um and i haven't seen a a definition for anybody born after that doesn't it restart to gen alpha uh, something, like, something that, like that probably yeah. but the funniest thing i saw on there was they have your millennials, but there are always blurring lines between generations, right? And there are some folks born in the early 80s that would consider themselves Xers, some born in the early 2000s that would consider themselves millennials, and, and in fact, some in the mid-60s mm-hmm. that would actually consider themselves part of the boomer generation. My favorite one of these, though, I've seen the, quote-unquote, the blurring of the lines between X and Y, or X and Millennial, referred to as Xenials, right? Okay. X-E and then Ennials. But then I found one the other day, Andrew, that had anybody born between 95 and 2005 as Xenials, with a Z, not as an X. What? The English language confuses me a little bit with that. Like, why do we have two uh, cusp generations, if you will, being called the same thing. Because everyone needs to feel special. I think I think that. There was a certain generation that kept getting 
participation trophies and now they're having kids and giving them even more than what they thought they didn't have. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, yes, indeed. So we've got all these all these wild and, and crazy different things going on here. But if we think generationally, we've got blurring between generations. There, uh, I would actually say I am, I am, you know, staunchly stuck right in the middle of Gen X. Mm-hmm. But I do have some baby boomer tendencies. Yeah. But part of that is because of things I learned from my father-in-law, actually, who is part of the silent generation. He was born in 1932. Yeah. That's the, you know, the Depression generation. The The way that he was taught growing up was uh, a very, very simple saying, right? Use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. Mm-hmm. That got passed on to my Gen X wife yeah. and myself, uh, so there, there's still some things that kind of lingered through that baby boomer generation because some of the older boomers fall into that category uh, of, you know, doing those similar things that your silent generation did. So there are going to be some pieces that kind of blur in and out with the actual uh, generation side of things, which is also true, Andrew, for economic cycles. Okay. There's not even when we look backwards and we can go, oh, the economic cycle went from this year to that year and from that year to the next year and that year to this year down here. It's actually not perfectly cut and dried. We, we can't actually look at an economic cycle and say, well, on May 17th, 1980 was when we switched out of cycle A to cycle B. We, we can't actually make that perfect, clean-cut delineation. Yeah, it's it. like there's that shoulder. It's like that kind of rev-up merge zone where you have to have time to merge from recession into mid-cycle and into that early stage and growth and everything. Yeah, and, and you know, I will uh, take us on a short sidebar there. That, oh, that, go that, ahead. That merge zone, mm-hmm. it, it actually is so you can get up to the speed of what traffic's supposed to be and not try to merge it. 45 miles an hour. And you're supposed to zipper in and not just jump as late as possible and then cause everyone else to slow down. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, That's your short PSA for the uh, week here. From Rick's Driving School. (laughs) For more information, reach out to FRS Financial. Uh, You know, the the, the fun part about that is my wife keeps asking me what I want for my birthday or Christmas, and I keep telling her what I really want is a dash cam. Not not because, you know, for insurance purposes, but because I want to put together a YouTube channel and monetize the, the crazy ah. driving skills in, uh, in the 719. But I've thoroughly, thoroughly digressed here. Um, so we get those economic cycles. They're not perfectly cut and dried. There's typically some kind of overlap. Usually it's months in the making, you know, six, eight, mm-hmm. nine months. So it, it's kind of hard to tell exactly where one cycle ended and the next began. But we don't, though, generally have the blurring of all four cycles at the same time. That's a big blur. That's a big blur. That uh, that that kind of looks like you know some of the uh, the the looks, five and six year old finger painting yeah, things from school. That it's it's all the same color. Well, it's a little bit uncomfortable too to have that big of a blur. Yes, yes, indeed. And and in fact, you actually asked a few weeks ago. You asked the question. Well, if it looks like we're in an upswing in the economy, why doesn't it feel like we're in an upswing in the economy? And really, the the short version of that is parts of the economy are still in that recessionary phase. Mm-hmm. And and whether that's 
through the the inflation piece of it that is still, you know, I, and to this day, I, I do not understand and I never will understand when they refer to core CPI. Yeah. Because I think of core, I think of the things that are staples, the things you have to have. Why yeah. do they take food and energy out of that? Because wouldn't that be part of the core? Yeah. I mean, again, those are staples and that's what you do all the time. But again, I digress. Um, but if we look at where we're at in that inflationary cycle, prices are not going up as quickly as they did the last couple of years, but they're still going up. We're still feeling that impact. Gas is still more expensive. Mm-hmm. Electricity is still more expensive. Food is still more expensive. So just the just to flat out live really still does keep costing us more mm-hmm. uh, and and then more and then again a little bit more and in fact there was something this last weekend I wish I would have uh, remembered what it was because when I picked it up looked at it set it down I went oh I'm going to talk about that okay but somehow in the almost 50 year old brain I didn't actually make a note of what the item was yeah uh, so I just remember that I picked something up looked at it and put it back well that's halfway there it's halfway there I mean I gotta say too I, I was driving through a car wash the other day and got asked if I wanted to give a tip so I mean there's also a little indicator of how the overall economy is feeling like what does an automated thing need to get a tip? Well, usually when I get asked stuff like that, I, I leave the tip that says don't walk in dark alleys. Yeah. I mean, I figure that's a pretty good tip. I don't think there was any, there wasn't a keyboard on the little touch screen. Ah, it's too bad. I that's know. too bad. But there was this item that I looked up, looked at the price and went, yeah, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it wasn't because it was, you know, 10 cents more expensive or it wasn't quote unquote on sale. Uh, it's because... A few months ago, it was half the price okay. that they were charging. And it, and it wasn't one of those goofy supply and demand kind of issues that that we're looking at in there. It was one of those, how in the world did this double in price? Because it wasn't because of, uh, you know, it's some, some uh, uh, special, hey, we, we have ribs every President's Day kind of a, you know, cost going up. Yeah. It, it's not a turkey at Thanksgiving that I was looking at, uh, sort of a supply demand type thing. It was it was something like butter, and I'm looking at it going, really? Yeah, why? I can get away so with maybe some olive oil. Yeah. this time. So little spray of the uh, the nonstick spray. Yes, yes, little a little bit of that in there. So Andrew, ultimately, what that does is it leads us to the question of what in the world do we do about it? which I think is a wonderful question to ask when we get back from this short break. So folks, stick around. We're going to put rubber to the road when we come right back here on Money Matters. Does stock market volatility have you wondering which way is up? Do the talking heads and doomsayers have you wondering if this really is the end? If you want straight answers from an advisor who isn't just trying to sell you something, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment today. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Folks, thanks for sticking with us through that break right here on Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. Rick Stevens in studio with Andrew Rogers. And and Andrew, we're kind of recapping some of those 
weird things going on uh, from the sector side of things in our market these days. And we, we've come to the conclusion that we're in a market cycle. It, it may be the beginning, middle, downside, or, or recession. But we're in a market cycle uh, of, some, of some sort through here. And we finished the last segment with the question, what in the world yeah. are we going to do about it? Well, what are we going to do about it? That's a great question. We should throw this one to TJ. I want to hear what TJ thinks we should do about it uh, on on this particular section because, you know, I can be more of an everyman. Mm-hmm. You can be a lot of an everyman, but TJ, TJ really is yeah. the everyman. I don't know. He is kind of a, a good voice of reason. Really? Really? Well, when the voice comes out. Oh, oh, yeah. okay. Well, I don't know if it's coming out yet. Yeah, he's kind of giving me that 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 emperor thumbs down right now. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we maybe have that's to. his answer of what to do with it. Well, that could very well be. That could very well be. But I guess maybe that's what uh, we're just going to have to answer. So what what in the world do we do about it? Yeah. And and there are a couple of different pieces to this. And the number one thing, and this is what this is what I, I work with folks all the time about is we've got to understand and maintain the dreaded B word. We've got to work the budget. Uh oh. Yeah, I know. It's it's terrible and it's horrible. Dun 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 But the but the reality of it is this if we have built some good plans, mm-hmm. if we have looked at, because remember, that's all the budget is, is a plan on how we're spending our dollars. If we've built some good plans, even as prices are fluctuating, every once in a while the price of gasoline comes down, but the price of eggs, not as much. Um, it fluctuates a little bit. But for the most part, we've got to keep on top of those inflows and those outflows, right? Paying attention, not just going... Oh, holy cow, how much have we spent so far this year? Mm -hmm. You don't have to do it on a daily basis. You don't even have to, quite frankly, do it on a weekly basis, but at least having that month-to-month look at what dollars are coming in, what dollars are going out, and where are they going out to is going to help us be able to make adjustments. Yeah. Now, there are certain things that aren't fun to adjust. I'm just gonna just gonna throw that out there right now. Certain things not fun to adjust, but we figure out how to use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. Uh, one of the things we are adjusting at my house at the moment is, believe it or not, I have a vehicle that could probably use some new tires. Yeah. And at my house, I have at the moment three licensed drivers and five vehicles. So rather than making the decision, because I'm going to have a fourth licensed driver in about six months, okay. and my fifth licensed driver is at college, mm-hmm. um, so she doesn't have a vehicle up there. But technically, in, in about six months, we're going to have the same number of licensed okay. drivers and vehicles and that sort of stuff. I was but, about to say, I could have helped solve that problem right there. <laughs> but, but what we're doing, rather than buying new tires right now, Andrew, we're, we're just driving a different vehicle. Yeah. Because, well... I'm going to have something that's, you know, make sure it's perfectly safe. And you know what? Yeah, we're at about that, uh, you know, 330 seconds of of tread life sitting on the, the tires of a vehicle. We'll just go drive this other one until we've set aside the dollars we need for 
the new tires. Yeah, you know, make sure the battery turns over, make sure that gets cycled, put some, you know, make sure the oil flows a little bit. It's yep. also making sure that the fleet's maintained. Exactly. Exactly. And when there are five uh, vehicles, that, that I think does now classify as a fleet. I'd uh, talk to the state about getting the red plates, save some money. No, that's true. That's true. That could be a good idea right there. So there, there are certain things, right, when you've got to make that, and I, and I kind of put this one a little bit in quotes, that adult decision mm-hmm. of actually saying no to certain things, right? I would I would love to just go out right now and go, you know what, yep, put two new tires on it because it is just a front-wheel drive car. It's not an all-wheel drive. It's not a four-wheel drive. And the tread life on the tires on the back are good enough that I can get away with putting two on there. But there are times where we have to just say no or maybe not yet, but but no um, on there. And the saying no part, that that's not always the easiest decision that you have to make. Um, certainly when there are children involved, yeah. right? Certain things that you got to tell the kids, no, we're not going to do this, guys. Um, you know, Disney was fun at Thanksgiving, but we're not going every three months. Yeah. Because I'm going to guess that your kids might have enjoyed their time there. Oh, I mean, one did. One slept the entire time. Maybe that meant both of them actually enjoyed the time just in two different ways. <laughs> uh, now, that doesn't mean we love the time, so we're going every three months, right? We're going yeah. quarterly, or even we're going every six months uh, kind of a thing. Yeah, so, I mean, vacations are special because they're vacations. Exactly. They're periodic. Exactly. That's why baseball is special, Andrew, because it only happens from February through November. Still an awful long season, though. Uh, you know, 162 games, uh, and especially if you ask Anthony Rendon, that's way too many games, yeah. uh, you know, because baseball is not a priority mm-hmm. in, in his life. But I will say this, we didn't get the actual full snippet, so if you watch the full interview, he talks about yeah. that, and you understand where he's coming from. But the idea here is that at times we're going to have to say no to certain things. And when the kids are involved – Sometimes that can be hard, but you know where the hardest sets of folks are to say no to, Andrew? Yourself? The guy in the mirror? Well, there's the guy in the mirror. There's also the spouse. Yeah. And I don't know about in your world, but I find it hard to say no to my parents. Especially that they're in that 60s, 70s age range. Sometimes it's hard, especially when they live a thousand miles away and they ask the question, so you guys coming to visit? Over spring break? No. See, we don't, I mean, maybe it's just the fact that, you know, grow up here, family's (laughs) here. That's not really that big of a deal. Well, there's a, there, there's that part too. And actually mine don't ask if we're coming at spring break. Mine usually just ask if I'm coming for deer season. Yeah. Um, So at at which point I get to say yes uh, to that because, hey, it's deer season. But it's, it's having those tough, tough decisions Especially when you're talking to a spouse or the parents that, you know, maybe are the ones who, oh, you guys are so far away and you should come here and we never get to see the grandkids because we can't travel anymore and, you know, that sort of stuff. The reality of it is, though, the thing that really helps on that, mitigating some of those uh, emotional sides of the no, especially on the spousal no, is that... When we're on the same page, when we're having that discussion, when we can say, you know what, we have come to the decision, this is not something we're going to do right now. Mm -hmm. And again, you can always soften it from that, nope, no way, no how, to the, 
Hey, we need to focus on some other things right now. Exactly. Exactly. I could put the right now in there, and and nine times out of ten, folks understand the, ah, yes, yep, been there, done that, got to make a little decision for the right now. Whatever's best for you guys. Yes. So that's number one, right? Number one, maintain the budget. Stay on top of it. We make the we make the adjustments as we need to because the reality is when we stay on top of it and it no longer feels recessionary in our lives, but it feels like it's on the upswing, we also get to expand yeah. at that point as well. So we get to do some more stuff. Number two, and this is the part that I think a lot of us fall into this pattern of when it feels hard, we stop doing things like saving. Yeah. Well, because you might need it. I, might I mean, need we, it. we can skip on that because, I mean, you know, it, it's good to have a rainy day, but it might be raining outside now. Yes. Yes. But one of those big pieces in there is while you might need to adjust, again, thinking on the budget side, adjust down with what we put away, when we stop entirely putting away, contributing mm-hmm. things towards retirement, what that is is akin to is hey i was going to the gym five days a week then four then three then i don't know if i'm going to get there and all of a sudden it's been three four five years and i haven't been back because i got out of that discipline i got out of the habit of doing these pieces i have actually seen folks who have for the lack of a better term turned off that retirement spigot, right? They've turned off putting money in. And because we are those creatures that are like plants, if we have the money, we'll spend it. We will spend to the size of uh, our container, just like a plant grows to the size of its container. Yeah, We'll figure out how to spend those extra 50, 100, 200, or whatever we were putting away on a monthly basis. We'll figure out how to spend that. But it's a much more difficult route figuring out how to find it again to put back in. So just simply adjusting up and down versus turning it off completely will help to keep us in the practice of at least putting something away for that future. And and I always tell folks, guys, your future self will thank you. Yeah. Your current self might be a little irritated. Mm-hmm. Your current self might be a little upset of, really, do I have to keep putting money away for this? Do I have to da 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 But the reality of it is you, 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the line, will actually be quite thankful when these sort of things happen. So continue to put, even if it's a small amount, into that savings, into that retirement side, simply because you're keeping that pattern of discipline in there. And the final thought on this, and I know there are a lot of folks out there, uh, the the emotional side of the investing part really hits hard. I cannot stress enough in, in, in times where markets are not doing well, don't take everything out of the market. Yeah. There's there there there's a guy on Cardio every day who will tell you the only people that get hurt on the roller coaster Andrew are the ones who jump off. Yeah. He he may be another 
bald guy with a beard, but he's got more of a southern drawl mm-hmm. than, than I've got going on. The only people that get hurt, right? Selling out of all of your investments in a down market, the only thing that does is it locks in the loss. It actually says, you know what? Uh, the value of this went down. I'm going to wait until it comes back up. It'll be fine. If you sell it at the bottom, you are much less likely to get back in because now you have allowed emotion into what you're doing. You've allowed fear to make you sell. When things start to go back up, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard it, well, the market's going up and I don't want to buy on an up market. Really? You don't want to buy when the market's going up? Well, yeah, because it could come back down. Well, now we've let fear dictate that yeah. you know, what goes up must come down. But even even in the late 1920s, Andrew, the, the stock market did not go to zero. Yeah, well, and again, it could go down, but it also could. And most oftentimes, as we've talked about here, will at least continue to go back up and up. And again, that proper investing, not looking at it as a quarter, six-month, year-long thing, looking at it over the long term, you're still going to overall see that growth you need even if you just take out whatever dips you're currently going through. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the, one of those other pieces here in, in my experience is those folks that say, nope, let's get out, let's sell it, let's get out of it all. I can't take the stress of this any longer. They actually don't generally get back in until after the markets have recovered and they missed their entire opportunity to recover in there. The, the one thing that I often will tell folks is that if you cannot take what's going on in the market, you, you, you can't ride that emotional roller coaster, don't, don't take everything out. Stop looking, right? It's, it's that idea of, oh, my goodness, um, <clears throat> the, the Bears are driving me nuts because their offense is horrific. You know what I stopped doing, Andrew? Watching the Bears. I stopped watching the Bears. So it's almost like because you already used a different infomercial pitch, man. Yes. We can use the other one, the one I like to go to. Uh-huh. And you know what you can do if you're worried about it? What's that, Set Andrew? it and forget it. Ah, yes. Ron Popeil and the Ron Co. Rotisserie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's absolutely the the best way to go about that, right, is is having that and and – you know, the word autopilot has such a terrible connotation to yeah. it. But it really is setting those pieces on autopilot. Looking at that to say, you know what? Yes, the market's going going crazy right now. But I don't need these dollars for the next 20, 30, 40 years. 40 years from now, I'm not going to sit back and go, you know, <clears throat> February... 21st of uh, 2024, boy, if uh, the market hadn't done XYZ that day, can you imagine where we would be at? Yeah. And again, you know, we've talked about this on numerous shows. And again, you can find this over on the podcast page. But, you know, even if you take out the two or three worst days in the market, you're not going to see that growth return if you would have just left it in there and just let it ride. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's it's that whole idea about folks that will tell you, and I and I hear these commercials all the time as well, uh, of how they're going to help you time the market. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality is you cannot time the market. No, the, the best time for the market 
is now. Yes. You know what the best time for the market tomorrow will be? Now. Now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, it's it's that part where, oh, we're going to teach you to you know subscribe to our software and we'll show you the exact buying signals you need for this, that, and the mm-hmm. other. And the reality of it is, again, I'm going to go back to a, a standard Dave Ramsey statement. One of my favorite quotes from Dave over the years, and I use this even back in my teaching days, is buy a good growth stock mutual fund and forget that you own it. Yep. That's the best possible thing you can do because you're doing this, you're not thinking about it, you're not looking at it, and when you're not looking at it, you don't get emotional to watch the ups and downs, and we can start making those decisions using the logical side of our mind. I know, novel concept, making those decisions out of logic rather than out of emotion. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? You know what? This was one of those things that uh, that I had to talk even my parents through mm-hmm. back in the beginning of 2020, right? January through March, horrific quarter in the market. My dad retired December of 2019. Mm-hmm. Literally the first three months of his retirement, the market looks like it's going to fall apart. Yeah. And I have to have the conversation. Dad, remember the discussion we had when you said, I'm going to let you take care of these investments because you're my kid and you're either going to take care of them or I'm coming to live with you. I'm like, yeah, I remember that deal, right? You remember that deal, Dad. I am taking care of these in such a way you don't have to come live with me. Um, because, you know, where am I? Where else am I going to put, you know, two more people when at that point in time I already had six in yeah. the house besides us. Um, so... Ten in the house versus eight. Whoo! That was gonna be uh, th- that was gonna be crazy. But end of March of twenty twenty, his portfolio was down about fourteen percent. Dad, relax. I've got this. By the end of December, he was up fifteen. Mm-hmm. It's like a thirty percent swing, but he didn't panic. He just said, "Okay." I'm just not going to look. And that was actually my my advice to him at that point in time was, when those monthly statements come, I'll tell you when you can open them and look at them again. Yeah. Um, because, hey, he's going to look at them every month, or, or more specifically, mom was going to look at them every month, and she was going to get worried. Mm-hmm. Like, don't worry. This is what's going on in the market. This is why it'll turn around. This is what's going to be okay. We're going to get this taken care of. And, you know, not – in the three-month span, but in the 12-month span, it was perfectly fine. Yeah. Right? Market as a whole, the S&P 500 that year was down 30 by the end of March, but by the end of the year, it was up 18. Mm-hmm. So we just slowly breathe. We don't let the, uh, the, the, the emotion that, quite frankly, we hear way too often on the national shows that mm-hmm. like to sell lots of Gold. Yeah, gold and Life insurance. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I've got a guarantee for you. Yeah, so do I. I've got a guarantee for you, and I guarantee that their guarantee is not going to actually work as well Mm -hmm. as some of the other things. Anyway, I digress. The the idea here, ultimately, right, what do we ultimately do about it? It's continue to make logical, rational decisions. Yeah. To not 
take that 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 quick emotional piece in there and, and you know I because uh, I've seen folks that do it one of two ways right you you see a, a difficult economy and you're going there's one of two things going on either okay we're locking it all down and we're not spending another nickel mm-hmm. we're going to eat every piece of food that's in that pantry including the cream of celery soup um wait they make cream of celery I think they still do. Uh, you know, back here, back in the Midwest, we we actually use that in uh, these wonderful dishes called casseroles. You mean the hot dish? Well, there's that too. That's the upper Midwest. Yeah, uh, we we southern we southern Midwest folks like to do stuff with uh, broccoli and cheese, um, a lot of that stuff. But you know, they're they're the folks that say we're we are locking it all down. We're clamping it down. We're not spending another cent unless we have to. In fact, you're gonna walk to work this week. Yeah. Uh, then there's the other side that goes, well. Ship's going down. We might as well eat the fillets. And, you know, we're just going to spend it and not care. Both of those sides are actually not okay because both of those sides, believe it or not, Andrew, are emotional decisions. Mm -hmm. There's the one side of emotion that says, that's it, lock it all down. The other side that says, that's it, open it all up. The logical, rational piece says, all right, where are we at? What's changing? What adjustments do we make? Mm -hmm. And we go from there. Um, I, I get accused oftentimes of being very even keeled. Yeah. I can promise you I've driven in traffic. I'm not even keeled. I've sent you a text or two while I've yeah, been I in say, traffic. I, I, I've seen. <laughs> I'm not always even keeled, but there are certain things that I am a little bit more even keeled about. And, and the dollars are one of those pieces, right? The, the, the money is a tool. It's not the be all end all money is the tool in our lives. So we've got to maintain that budget, mm-hmm. keep that nice, even look at things, make the adjustments one side or the other as to what's going on. Remember that no is a perfectly acceptable answer to a variety of things. Uh, any Anywhere from can we go get some ice cream to are you guys coming to visit this summer, mm-hmm. right? No is a perfectly acceptable answer on that. We also need to maintain those disciplined aspects of our life, right? Those, those different disciplined pieces that we've got going on each and every day, each and every week, each and every month to keep moving towards whatever those goals are. And finally, we can't let the markets freak us out. No. We can't let it do that. Because then you'd be running around like a panic all the time. Exactly. Chicken little, mm-hmm. right? The sky is falling. Oh, my goodness, it's all going to fall apart. Yeah. We, we, we can't let it do that. It'd be like, uh, you know, having an acorn hit the top of your car and, and do something crazy yeah. when, when that comes into yeah. play. Not yeah. that there's anything that was like that in the news. Yeah, you got to have a, you know, forward thinking with this. And you can't sit here, you know, what, midway through February, worrying about what we're going to do for February. You should be focusing further on. Exactly. We got to be thinking March, April, May. And we also don't need to just think March, April, May. We've got to think... 2025, 2026, 2027, 2037, 2047, all the way down that line. So it it really comes down to what are those things we can be doing to keep our head when everybody else around us is just, wow, out there somewhere, you know, the wild and crazy is going on. And it's not always easy. Not always easy. One of the things I prefer is, uh, is uh, I refer to as boom therapy, mm-hmm. um, 
For those that are unfamiliar with boom therapy, mine often happens at uh, at a place up on the north end of town, uh, off of Northgate. Okay. That, that uh, might also have another facility on the south end of town on yep. Academy. Um, I think it's Academy down that way, or maybe it's Nevada, right off of that. Anyway, yeah, boom therapy is good, mm-hmm. uh, but you got to find some things to find a release on on some of that stress because uh, too much stress, Andrew, will make you lose your hair. Mm-hmm. Is that is that from personal experience? It may be. All right. It may be. That's you know that's what happens whenever you watch the markets every day. You get stressed out. You lose your hair. Yeah. So that's what I tell a lot of folks. Hey, look at this. I'm already there. So just let me worry about this stuff mm-hmm. for you. You don't worry. I'm not going to give you the old Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy, but at least don't worry. Yeah. Right? Certain things to to not have to think too much through. Well, folks, that is going to wrap us up this week on Money Matters. We've got all of those mixed signals and that question of what do we do about those mixed signals in the economy? The short version is keep trudging it forward, right? Keep moving it forward. We've got to make an adjustment. We make an adjustment because, you know what, sometimes there are some potholes in that road of life. Mm -hmm. And uh, anybody that's driven between Colorado Springs and Denver knows where there is a bunch of potholes going on out there. So keep that uh, nose to the grindstone, that head down, focusing forward, folks, working through all these different things. If you've got questions on how to do that, you can always feel free to give me a call, 719 500 8700 always happy to sit down we will be back again next week continuing to talk about your money because your money matters thanks for tuning in everybody